My name is Danielle DeVoe and you are listening to Midtown Conversations and we are back with another Cities panel. This week my panelists are Melissa Bowman, an educator, city builder and founder of the Citified Substack. If you haven't seen it, that works on keeping the community informed about civic issues and politics and she does a great job of making us stay on top of everything that's happening in our community. My other panelist is Sarah Marsh, who is a longtime community advocate and uh, enthusiastic booster of the city of Kitchener, as well as the former Ward 10 councillor in Kitchener. Melissa, Sarah, thank you for joining me. Thanks thank for you. Having us. Thank you so much. So today's topic is contentious issues. <laughs> so well, I just was brainstorming a list of things that people either complain about or argue about or have uh, polarized views about uh, in relation to regional and 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 um, civic issues. And so I thought we would just start walking through the list and, and get some of your hot takes on what, what people are saying and what you think we should do or what do you think the next steps are going to be. So the big one, we'll start with the A word, amalgamation. Sarah! <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, so I have had differing opinions about amalgamation over the years. I, as a, as a real uh, Kitchener girl through and through, I love the city of Kitchener. I love the government of the city of Kitchener. I feel like if we amalgamated, uh, that th there would be uh, a lot at stake to, uh, you know, lots to lose in terms of the culture that we are doing our best to, uh, or we did our, <laughs> that, see, I'm still talking in the present, <laughs> um, but the, that the city of Kitchener does its best to, uh, to uh, foster in terms of belonging, et cetera. But uh, I do think that amalgamation is very much worth the, the conversation. I feel that uh, the city of Kitchener and all of the uh, all of its counterparts here in the region of Waterloo uh, deserve to to have that uh, a fulsome conversation to see well what would be gained if we were to amalgamate. I I, I think it's uh, actually a good idea when I think about it in, from different perspective from from certain perspectives. Um, it would mean that representatives would be full-time in, in, you know, in, in the iteration that I, I imagine, uh, we would have full-time counselors with uh, staff, more staff time to uh, support them. And I think the citizens deserve to have counselors who are working on the issues full-time and uh, have the resources at their fingertips to, to respond uh, the way that the Kitchener residents expect and, and deserve. Melissa? So I think I probably land in the uh, opposed to amalgamation. Um, the, the one big draw it has for me is I think it would um, make it easier to understand who does what in, in our communities. I think that's one of the biggest uh, issues people, um, when they, they come up with a, an issue that they want to see addressed, uh, they don't know who to go to. I think the default may be um, their city councillor, um, even if it's a regional issue um, or, or higher up, even further provincial or federal. Um, so I suspect that many uh, city councillors are dealing with um, issues where they are pointing people in a different direction, um, just because it's not sort of in the mandate um, of the city council. So that is 
kind of the biggest draw for me. But I think there's a lot of things that just don't sit as well for me. Um, I think uh, already, you know, Kitchener and Waterloo specifically, but I think uh, all of the municipalities and townships in, in the region work well together when it makes sense. There's a lot of um, joint services and partnerships that are happening. Um, I think GRT um, sort of amalgamating um, from, you know, uh, Kitchener Transit and Waterloo Transit and Cambridge Transit and becoming Grand River Transit. That was really smart. Um, so seeing those types of things, and, and I'd definitely be open to seeing other partnerships like that happen. Um, but I don't think we need to amalgamate as a whole community. Um, I think we would I worry that we lose access to um, that closeness that we might feel to our, our city council or, or regional councillors, um, that there would be less elected officials. And I, I get that some people see that as a good thing, um, but I already feel like our uh, current elected officials have a lot to manage. Um, I fully agree um, about seeing full-time elected officials, and I would advocate for that even under a non-amalgamated system um, that I think... Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, for sure, should be having um, full-time uh, politicians, um, councillors. Um, yeah, I think those are the main things. Um, I, my mm -hmm. biggest fear is that we'd be losing access to um, our change makers in the community um, under amalgamation. And I haven't heard of a lot of success stories where they're like, clearly amalgamating this community was the best thing to do. Um, at best, it feels nuanced. Um, so that's not enough of a draw to me to be a supporter of it that's that's fair and I just I want to make sure that um, you know in my comments about being pro amalgamation I am very hesitant I'm, I'm kind of on the fence actually I'm not 100% gung-ho and I'm not 100% uh, anti-amalgamation yeah I just think you make some good points Melissa but uh, when it comes to advocating for full-time counselors, uh, which would be a, a salary that would attract uh, high-quality candidates across the board, I think uh, that there's no way that would happen without amalgamation. So for that reason, I think amalgamation is, uh, um, you know, worth, the, again, worth the conversation. Yeah, and I think the complexity of, of, of administering the cities and the region. I mean, I, I was speaking um, earlier this week with uh, uh, a, another former uh, staff person and and sort of a local advocate for um, arts and culture who will remain nameless. But but when when they were working with uh, one of the cities, they were very much opposed to amalgamation. They they thought it was too risky. Um, but now when they look at sort of the scale of issues that we're facing, mm -hmm. um, you know, they've, they've, they've come around to the idea of, of, you know, maybe amalgamation is the only way to really be able to make a concerted push on the creative economy, to make a concerted push on housing affordability and homelessness, like mm -hmm. that sort of pot, that, that simplifying the political process to, to, to create strength in numbers. Do you think that... Um, you know, the last time from the last time that amalgamation was on the table to now, um, there's been a change in sort of the um, the sort of uh, facts on the ground. Hmm. Uh, I I see a lot of uh, uh, of more like you like was mentioned earlier. You know, we uh, we do see more people talking about it right now, but it has it is a something that comes up and bubbles up here and there. 
it's interesting who's talking about it now versus before. Uh, some people who used to be anti-amalgamation are now pro-amalgamation, um, which is interesting. So that would be another podcast that, sure, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll help uh, <laughs> produce uh, <laughs> if you want. Um, but I do think that uh, we should, uh, we, yes, the, the, the issues that cities are dealing with are they have more at stake because we're talking about more homelessness we're talking about uh climate change we're talking about active transportation that really should be more consistent and streamlined throughout the region things like that i think are uh, are really uh hindered by uh two-tier government i think um one of the things that should be part of that conversation if this community is having it is that um that report that I think um, Ken Celine and um, Michael Fenn, mm-hmm. um, I think were their names that um, were, they looked into this issue a number of years ago. I, I can't even remember. I'm going to say maybe four years ago. Yeah. Um, and, and as far as I recall, that was just shelved and it did not really see the light of day. Um, I have no idea what's in that report. I would love to have a, a better idea um, of what they found um, through that. Uh, I, I do get frustrated when um, money and efforts are put into doing research on things and then it's not presented in a way that's accessible to people. Exactly. Yeah, so I think that should be part of the that, conversation. That report became a cabinet report, and so it uh, is under lock and key. We're not allowed to, to look at it. We're not allowed to understand what... What were some of the gleanings, the the, the conclusions that they came to, yeah, and the suggestions for? Yeah, it's so frustrating, yeah. and it's really a waste of the taxpayers' exactly. money and time. And and why aren't people up in arms about it? Right. But, yeah. Um, although I have to say, just finding a new name for an amalgamated community is a <laughs> part of a reason for me to run in the opposite direction. <laughs> it feels like a very daunting task. I kid, of course, but it does feel like a thing that would have to be addressed. Well, the community's done it before. They can do it That's again. Right. <laughs> um, so amalgamation, contentious issue. But related to that, then, you know, there are all kinds of other services that um, are at stake. Um where should we go next? Amalgamation took a long time. What about snow shoveling? So city of Kitchener did a pilot. I don't know if any other municipalities have even considered this as, as something, but Kitchener s- started to walk in the direction of, of, of having some municipal snow clearing. So what are your thoughts on that program and, 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 and if it should have, you know, how the pilot went, if it should have kept going? Melissa, I know you're a fan of the pilot. I very much am a fan of the pilot. You know, I think I was uh, leaning towards, it feels like something the city should do, um, but I had a a lot of concerns and um, hesitations that, you know, what would it look like? Um, You know, there are examples of nearby communities who have cities that are uh, doing the the municipal snow clearing, um, and there's no shortage of examples of... um, sidewalks that are not very accessible and so that was very front of mind when I heard the city was doing a pilot I thought oh boy like here we go we're gonna put this to the test let's see what happens I was thrilled when I discovered that I would be part of it um, just because I was like I can see it firsthand what is actually happening and it made me a firm believer that this is possible Um, it was night and day I mean I'm a pretty um, able-bodied active person um, and and I struggled at times to get through my neighborhood trying to get to bus stops or to the local plaza and that type of thing. 
until the snow clearing pilot. And I was confident. I knew how far the, um, the pilot boundaries were. And I was confident that when I left my house, even though I couldn't see down the street, that I could get to at least where the boundaries of the pilot project ended. And it made such a huge difference. I did more shopping um, by walking. I don't love driving in the winter. So this was like uh, life changing for me. Um, and I found it fascinating that the people who were in the project, uh, pilot project area, um, were very supportive of this so much so that it was nearly 60%, if I recall, said, absolutely, I would pay for this service. And I don't know that there's a lot of services that um, residents are so passionate about saying, yes, charge me what you need to charge me, even though it will add, you know, it, it varied 60, 70, $80 um, annually. Um, depending on the level of service. And I, I just thought that speaks volumes to me. People in the other um, areas outside of the pilot did not believe it was possible. And I totally get that because prior to the pilot project, I, as much as I was somewhat supportive, I thought, oh, I have concerns. I don't know if the city can do this. And uh, they proved that they could. And I would love to see that accessibility offered throughout the city, um, even at the cost that's presented. So, mm -hmm. hmm. You were on the council that uh, created that pilot uh, project. So, mm -hmm. you know, what, 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 and I, and I, I was disappointed when it wasn't approved, when, when it wasn't sort of expanded. So maybe you can take us through sort of what yeah, you saw. I can understand happening. the disappointment. I can understand why people who uh, saw firsthand the benefits of it, you know, uh, were disappointed that it, it didn't get approved. I would say a couple things. First of all, um, it's maybe a little known fact that 17% of the city's sidewalks are already cleared by the city. Uh, we do that for uh, community centers, for uh, downtown, for um, city properties throughout the, the community. Uh, but um, we, we always got stuck when it came to the price tag not only the price tag of doing it every year, you know, staff time, but uh, the capital costs of investing in all of these machines that, that uh, were going to just sit uh, and, and not be useful for anything else uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, and as much as the pilot uh, ended up showing that the, the city staff were on it and, and able to to do it, and I, you know, I, I I had full confidence staff would would be able to do that. I don't know that. Uh, and what we learned from the staff was that in order to make that happen on the scale of the whole city, it, we might have seen service levels really not be at the level that people would expect. You know, we expect residents now to clear their sidewalks uh, down to the pavement uh, within 24 hours of the last snowfall. But uh, would the city be able to maintain that uh, service expectation if we did it citywide? I, I don't know how that would have been able to, to take place. So, um, so yeah, it, I, <laughs> it's the price tag. And every year at budget time, budgets, uh, when at the end of the day, uh, most municipalities are trying to keep it within the level of inflation or below. And so if we were to make such a huge leap to, uh, to raise the budget so high just for some sidewalk snow clearing uh, for a little bit of the year, 
um, it just, uh, it, it was very hard to stomach mm-hmm. for the majority of council. Yeah, and right now we're in, you know, that's another one of those contentious issues, the tax increases versus inflation. You know, if, if the tax increases are expected to go up with inflation and now we're in this, like, hyperinflationary environment, what are some of the conversations that are, are, are needing to be had in terms of making those choices? And, and Melissa, I know you looked into the budget, so some budgets were at inflation, some were below, some were well above. What, uh, what, was kind of, what were kind of the, the, the norms or what did you perceive? Uh, first of all, I feel like I could talk about the sidewalk clearing thing for at least a couple of episodes. So if you ever want to have me back on that <laughs> issue, I would happily chat more about it. Um, a couple of things. Um, I think uh, it was Mayor uh, Barry had said that, you know, any, any uh, tax increase that comes in under the rate of inflation is essentially a cut. Um, and so I think that's important to remember. Um, City of Kitchener did once again come in under um, the rate of inflation. And I, I get worried about that. I understand that we need to help people um, navigate these incredible costs of living. Um, but for me, taxes feel like such a collective way to address um, community needs in a really cost-effective way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it feels like, I mean, we all hate taxes on some level, but um, actually there's been a lot of studies that say, uh, and surveys, not studies, um, surveys where people will be asked, residents are asked, how do you feel, what is the value you get for your tax dollar? And it's overwhelmingly supportive. It's like 70 or 80% are somewhat or very satisfied with the value that they get for their taxes. I think a lot of people do understand that um, when you pull all of our resources together, we benefit as a community. Um, there was one thing put to um, a motion put forth, I think it was by Councillor Vasic at a Waterloo uh, council meeting, and it was for affordable housing initiatives, and it would have cost taxpayers $1.61 in the year, um, and it would have allowed more funding for affordable housing things. It didn't pass. Um, some other affordable housing things did, fortunately, but to me, $1.61 to um, offer our community more access to affordable housing makes a lot of financial sense. Um, and I, I do try to remind councils of those surveys where people are generally satisfied um, and sometimes extremely so with what they get. Um, it's, uh, yeah, that's mostly what I have to say about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so the housing affordability issue comes up again and again and again and again. And, and I think there's really the encampments and housing affording affordability are related, but they're often conflated. Um, and but there, you know, there's a really broad spectrum of people who are impacted by the lack of housing af- uh, affordability. So the encampments are one manifestation of that. But there are also just working families who also can't afford to live in this city. Uh, and 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 one of the challenges with that issue is, of course, there's a regional, not a municipal issue. So uh, Sarah, you know, from your perspective, mm-hmm. being a, a having been a city of Kitchener councillor, what was frustrating about that? Oh, gosh. 
Yeah, it was so fr- <laughs> What was frustrating about that? Everything, uh, because you know we would receive the bulk of the feedback about you know uh, housing affordability as city councillors and uh, as a city council as a whole. But uh, it, the, the decisions about regional housing uh, were, are, of course, at the region. And, uh, and then uh, rep- applying for funding from the upper tiers of government uh, is a res- regional uh, level responsibility. And so uh, it was often out of our hands. However, we did move the needle uh, locally because we, we recognized that uh, things like development charges you know, were what could make or break a project from going ahead. And so when we were able to create a $2 million uh, uh, development charge subsidy so that P- uh, affordable housing projects would not have to pay them or, and or uh, depending on the project, could be deferred until occupancy, uh, that, that was uh, a really a game changer. And when we uh, look at, you know, all the pieces of property that any region, any municipality has, uh, City of Kitchener especially, we, we did an inventory of what are the pro- properties we own that we're not anticipating having a use for. And uh, can we use any of those properties to build affordable housing to, to because land values are so high. And so that can also make or break a project, even just buying a piece of property. So if we could um, do that, then uh, that would be help us be a part of the solution. So uh, we, we did find ways uh, that were in our lane uh, to, to make, uh, make more affordable housing uh, projects go forward. But it's a drop in the bucket from what, you know, what is needed. Mm-hmm. Mm. Melissa, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, just a couple of quick things. Um, I think uh, it does get tricky when um, housing falls under certain um, government mandates and not others. But I think, as Sarah said, you know, municipalities are really taking a closer look at what can they do, um, especially when perhaps our provincial uh, government is not stepping up as much as I feel that they could. Um, A couple things that really stood out to me for Kitchener, they did um, this great housing for all report. There's a ton of great statistics in there and and data that I think can really help our community better understand what is actually happening and the best way to move forward. Uh, Recently, Mm -hmm. uh, Kitchener Council, sorry, Recently, Kitchener Councillor Scott Davey um, put forth a motion for staff to look a little bit closer at what um, our community could do to help um, residents who are potentially displaced from, um, you know, uh, redevelopment uh, proposals, redevelopment proposals, um, and also, as Sarah said, using the land that. Uh, the city owns is a great thing. I know Kitchener partnered with, I believe it was the YW to create a project um, that is creating, I think around 40 affordable units for for women facing um, homelessness. And so that is a great example of how the city can use uh, the resources that it has to support housing, even though it doesn't fall under a municipal mandate. That's great. I had a big list of contentious issues, and I think I got through maybe a third of them. That was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. So my guests this week were Melissa Bowman, educator, city builder, and the founder of the Citified Substack, and Sarah Marsh, a community advocate and former Ward 10 counselor for the city of Kitchener. I'm your host, Danielle DeVoe, and I hope you tune in next week.